Stocks are down 20%. Biotech and technology investors have lost a third. And crypto and Tesla investors are really hurting. The stock is down about 75%. So what does 2023 have in store? And most importantly, how can you know what you own, whether or not you're overexposed to even crypto or bonds or stocks? That's what we're going to be discussing, how you can be the boss of your money, know what you own, and know what our crystal ball is saying 2023 is going to look like. I'll see you shortly. All right. So as I indicated, last year was not that great. We had a losses in stocks and some stocks, a massive amount, particularly small caps, technology and biotechnology. We saw long term bonds lose value as well. Crypto absolutely destroyed. And of course, now we're starting to see people interested in short term uh, treasury bills in short term cash products. So where does that leave you in terms of your retirement account, your managed brokerage account, et cetera? And as importantly, what is 2023 likely to look like for all of these different assets? So we're going to take them one by one. And um, this is pretty important for you to be the boss of your money and not to just rely upon, you know, the last century strategies and mantras. So I am going to be giving you time-proven 21st century strategies and research-based crystal ball predictions. All right, let's start with stocks. The first thing you should know about stocks is that the, even with that 20% pullback on average, that's the S&P 500 pullback, NASDAQ was pulled back 33%, stocks are still extremely expensive. Here is Warren Buffett's favorite valuation tool, it's called the Buffett Indicator. And as you can see here, the only, um, the only times, I mean, there's no other time on this indicator. I do have another chart, the CAPE ratio, that is slightly different. It does a 10-year average of price earnings ratio. In the CAPE ratio, we're um, higher than we were at any other time except two. One was the dot-com recession, and during the dot-com recession, uh, the NASDAQ lost 78% of its value. It took 15 years to come back. And also the D Great Depression, and you know that was a, a period of very subdued um, economic growth for a very long time. So there's that tool, which is Robert Schiller. Uh, he's a Nobel Prize winning economist. This is Warren Buffett's favorite tool right here. And uh, it's called the Buffett Indicator. It's basically all stocks versus GDP. And as you can see here, and this only goes back to 1975, so it doesn't go back to the Great Re uh, Depression. It does go back to the Great Recession. But as you can see here, by this tool, stocks are overvalued so much more than they were before the Great Recession. And during the Great Recession, uh, the Dow lost 55% of its value. And as we already said in the NASDAQ, and that's this one here. So these gray lines are recessions. So stocks are still very expensive. Now, the other thing to realize too, is that um, here is another tool that we use. This is called the yield curve. And you don't have to understand everything that I'm saying, but 
what you should understand from this chart, which may look like gobbledygook to you, or if you're in the financial services industry, then you already know what I'm talking about with the yield curve. So the yield curve is about 100% correlated with recessions since the 70s. So when we go negative with the yield curve, it's 100% associated with recessions. We don't have one example yet where that didn't happen. And here we are again, right here, it's below the line, it's negative again. So what, what do we expect stocks to do in 2023? We don't expect, well, actually, the interesting thing is that the beginning of the year could, it's not looking great, right? But it could actually look a little bit better than the end of the year. And the reason for that is that we are going to get our fourth quarter results at the end of January. And then they're uh, February at the end of March, they are restated. Now, those are still supposed to be positive, but most people are uh, predicting, most analysts, that we will have a recession in 2023 and that it will start in the first quarter of the year. So uh, the, the most important thing to realize about that is that the first quarter results, they don't come in until the end of April, right? So that's something to bear in mind. But with the overpriced nature of equities in general and a predicted recession and a negative yield curve, it really means that we must absolutely pay attention to whether or not we have too much at risk in stocks. Now, how do you do that? Well, you have to know what you own and you also have to know what an appropriate amount based on your age would look like. So we have a free web app that can help you to do the sample of what you should have at risk. And then if you need help determining how close you are or not to that sample pie chart, you are welcome to get uh, an unbiased second opinion from me through my private coaching practice. You can email us at info at nataliepace.com or you can call 310-430-2397. If you do not know what an equity versus fixed income is and you don't know how to read your bonds, then that might be a good option for you. If you do understand that, then you shouldn't have any trouble mocking up your own pie chart and seeing how close it resembles a sample pie chart. So here's what our web app looks like. This is a 30-year-old that's earning $100,000 a year and already has a nest egg of um, almost a million dollars. So basically, you always keep a percent equal to your age safe. We are overweighting 20% safe based on market conditions, a predicted recession. And then that means this 30-year-old would only have half at risk. Now, I want you to keep listening because bonds are risky too. They're losing money. And so what a lot of people, if you have a managed brokerage account, or if you ask your HR person how you can have less at risk, a lot of times they will get into bonds. And if bonds are losing money, then you need to be aware of that and how you might be, be getting safer than that um, asset that's losing money. Okay, it's abnormal. In normal recessions, bonds don't lose money. In this recession, they are, they are or in this bear market, they are. And that's because interest rates are rising. So um, this is really important. And a lot of people are being penny wise and pound foolish. In other words, 
if you have to spend a little bit of money to know what you own and to protect your wealth, especially if it's over $100,000 or in the millions, that's a good investment. Because as we have discussed, you know, this, uh, these are actual charts of this is the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average went down to 6,547 at the bottom of March 9th, 2009. And it took about seven and a half years to crawl back to even. So you're using the bull market to try to make up losses. That's a roller coaster. This is the dot com that lost 78% and took 15 years to come back. So again, what's really important in today's world is to realize that um, buy and hope is not a good strategy. It's riding a Wall Street roller coaster. What we're using is modern portfolio theory. So that is always keep a percent equal to age safe, overweight safe if the market conditions warrant it, and rebalance regularly. So now is the time if you have never rebalanced, if you never know what you own, now is a very good time to make sure that you are not too much into stocks and actually long-term bonds. Now we're going to move into our bond discussion. What are bonds expected to do? Well, as interest rates rise, the value of a bond goes down. Now, the good news about rising interest rates is that those people that were on the sidelines can now get a very small yield with very low risk if they go into the right thing. So there's a, a Treasury Series I savings bond that's yielding almost 7%. There are T-bills that are yielding um, just under 5%. They're one year, though. You don't want the 30-year ones. Those are giving you less. That's why we have a negative yield curve. So there are things to do. Now, I want you to keep in mind that laddering is going to be important and also keeping the term short and the creditworthiness high because we have too much debt in the world. Um, let me pull up a chart so I can show you what I'm talking about when I say that we have too much debt and leverage in the world. So this is our asset bubbles chart. And if you would like a copy of this, email us at info at nataliepace.com and just say, I would like a copy of the asset and debt bubble chart. So as you can see here, our debt, it's not, you know, look, you hear a lot about this $31 trillion of public debt. You don't, and you do also hear a lot about student loan debt, but basically every debt column here is massively higher than it was before the Great Recession when we had a global financial meltdown because too much debt had been issued. So it's really important what that means. And again, I don't want you to get lost in the weeds here. What it means is that there, we live in a debt world. And so you want to make sure if a bond is loaning money to a person or to a corporation or to a government, right? You want to make sure that the person you're loaning your money to can pay it back. And that's what I mean about creditworthiness. Also, because interest rates are rising right now, you want to make sure the term is short because otherwise, if the interest rates are higher next year, Nobody's going to want to buy your bond that's paying less. And that's what's happening with those 30-year bonds is that they are losing money. So let me show you what that looks like. And I can show you a chart that kind of makes this easy to understand. So this is a chart of the PIMCO Active Bond Exchange Traded Fund over the last year compared to stocks. Bonds, again, if you ask your certified financial planner or your broker, 
I want to get more safe, they'll say, okay, let's put you in bonds. But as you can see here, most bonds are actually losing value. So it's really tricky to get safe in bonds in today's world. I have a video conference just on that about how tricky it is and some things that you might do. We spend one full day on that alone. And there are opportunities now. And if you take an approach of keep the credit worthiness high, um, keep the term short and laddering because you want liquidity because there could be some other opportunities out there. Again, some of the best opportunities are actually income producing hard assets that you purchase for a good price. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we move on. Okay, so the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about was crypto. Um, crypto is absolutely been destroyed. 75% down on a lot of these. Some of them are completely bankrupt. Is the crypto winter likely to be over this year? Not really. Crypto winters typically last a while. So at the top in December of 2017, Bitcoin went to $20,000 and then it dropped. And by February, it was at $8,000. And it wavered between even as low as $3,000 for Bitcoin. In that $3,000 to $8,000 range, it wavered there through the pandemic, in the beginning of the pandemic. And then it took off with the stimmy checks. Okay. Now, what what's been happening with the biotech, the technology, the small caps, and cryptocurrency is that the whales, so let's call that the 1%, are really going, the, the money is fast and hot. So they're going in, they're getting a lot of attention in the media, Main Street buys high, and the whales sell, and they capture their gains, and Main Street is left holding the bag. The average holding period for cryptocurrency is less than six months. So a lot of people that are doing the HODL, hold on for dear life, are not aware that this is actually not at all what is really happening. It's a trading platform. You cannot have a currency that goes from a $69,000 value to a $16,000 value. The only people that are using crypto as currency at this time are really criminals and the dark market. In fact, Binance is being investigated for, I believe, over two, maybe even up to $4 billion of dark money that has gone through their system and been laundered through their system. So if you would like more information about crypto, I have done blogs and um, video conferences on this as well, including the FTX bankruptcy. So you can just go to nataliepace.com forward slash blog, and if you just put in a search on crypto, then you'll see some of the blogs. And one of the most important blogs is this one. Is your FDIC insured cash really safe? And the reason for that is that there are a lot of brokerages and especially crypto brokerages, but other ones as well, that say your, FDIC, your cash is FDIC insured. One thing that is really important to know is that it is not insured if the exchange or brokerage goes bankruptcy because they are not an FDIC bank, okay? So if you, that's what happened at um, Voyager Digital is that they had a relationship with the bank, but Voyager Digital went bankrupt. And so all those people that thought their cash was FDIC insured are not getting any support from FDIC. So you have to make sure that even the money you have at a brokerage, that the brokerage is credit worthy. 
important. I know it's, it's hard, but let me tell you this. It's kind of like moving into your, or buying your own home. When you're thinking about buying your own home, you have a lot of things to consider in order to be what we would call on the right side of the trade and create a sanctuary home for yourself. In other words, buying in a neighborhood that's your people and um, buying at a price that's not at the top and, and at risk of going way down in value. So there's a lot of things to consider. But if you get as many of those things right as possible and you move into your home, then it truly can be a sanctuary for you. And the financial house is the same way. In the beginning, it may feel daunting. It may feel like the, the odds are against you. There's too much to consider. However, if you take the time and invest the small amount of money that you need to learn the life math that we all should have received in high school and to set it up right and to get your portfolio right, then you, all you have to do is spring clean once a year, maybe two or three times a year. So I encourage you not to be daunted, but instead to be knowledgeable and lean into education, wisdom, and time-proven 21st century system. Now, I'm going to go into gold and silver, which are a bit related to uh, crypto in that it's a safe, what is perceived as being a safe haven. So um, what we have seen in the past few years. In fact, gold and silver are the worst performer over the last decade. And the re one of the reasons for that, now it's not the only reason, but it's one of them, is that the younger generation leaned into crypto. So if they thought, you know, there were a lot of people saying, oh, the dollar is going to become worthless. You need crypto. And that was really appealing it was appealing to some boomers and Gen X, but very appealing to millennials and Gen Z. So we have seen gold and silver suffer as a result of that. However, with stocks going down, people being concerned about the amount of debt, all of these things are going to start making headlines. We've actually seen a quiet rally in silver, a little bit in gold too, but more in silver. Silver is up about 30% off of its low. Why is that? Well, it has a lot to do with the crypto winter and, as we said, weakness in stocks. And the dollar has been very strong, but as people get concerned about the debt, then they might lean into gold and silver as well. So what do you do in, in that regard? Do you just go all in on your safe side on gold and silver? I would not because it's a boom and bust. People go in and it gets really hot really fast and then it crashes as Bitcoin does. These safe havens tend to do that. So what might be a better strategy? Well, if you're looking at our pie chart strategy, what you'll notice here is that at the at-risk side, we include four hot industries. So whether you think it's crypto or cannabis or gold or silver, or a country, or an, any other industry, and what you want to lean, in, lean into technology, you think that that's under, um, oversold and undervalued, that's where you're going to put it. So you could think about having a hot slice or two of gold and silver. Now, we're leaning more into silver, because gold is 12% off its high, whereas sil silver is still 50% down. So it has a little bit more of a potential for upside in our view. So that's the lowdown on gold and silver. I do have a recent blog on this as well that you are welcome to check out. Again, 
go to nataliepace.com forward slash blog and you'll be able to read the blog on silver. As you can see there, it's one of my more recent ones. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is copper. Now, the interesting thing about copper is that Goldman Sachs has called it the new oil. And the reason for that is that in our push to become a cleaner world, almost all of the things that we are using to do that require copper, whether it's an electric vehicle or solar panels, all of these things, smart grids, all of that requires copper. And so the countries that are really rich in copper might do well. Of course, copper companies can. But it's also important to remember that even super hot things can get drugged down in a bear market. So we saw that copper prices got way down in the beginning stages of the pandemic. And then they can really shoot up afterwards as people and countries and companies invest in rebuilding, okay? So that's why this hot slice idea can be very helpful because instead of just saying, okay, I'm gonna go all in on copper, if you do a hot slice of it, then that can help you. And again, we're also encouraging one other thing on the stock side. It's, um, I'm calling it our layaway plan. So if you are interested in copper, whether it's investing in a country that's rich in copper like Chile or Peru or even Australia, uh, and you don't have anything there, you could think since we know that stocks are have a high likelihood of perhaps going down, then what you could do is you could say, OK, if my this particular um, pie chart that we did for this 30 year old who's making one hundred thousand dollars a year and has about a million in this portfolio, her portfolio, each one of her slices is about $50,000. So in that case, all you would do on your layaway plan is just say, okay, $50,000 divided by 12 months means that I could just buy about $4,000 a month. And that way, if the markets are going down each month, I'm buying it at a lower price. And if the markets are going up or that particular fund is going up, it's filling up the slice for me. Of course, if you get to your 50,000 before the end of the year, you don't just keep buying it. You go ahead and stop it whenever it gets there because maybe the markets are helping you to get there. So that's the basis behind the stock layaway plan. Again, that's something we'll be discussing a lot in our retreat. And just so you know, if any of you are interested our online retreats are the most affordable and obviously convenient. Not only is the price lower that you'd pay for registration, but you have no travel or lodging costs and you can attend from your living room. So again, just go to nataliepace.com, scroll down. You'll see that our next retreat is January 20th through the 22nd. If you click on that banner ad, then you can get all of the details you need, including all of the testimonials of people who have transformed their lives using these strategies. And again, this is something that we developed 20 years ago. It's based on the modern portfolio theory. That's not my theory. It was written by half a century ago by a Nobel Prize winning economist. I did put a system to the theory, and that's what in really excited Gary Becker, who's one of the best economists of our of our time. 
Uh, sadly, he's already, you know, he's, he's gone, but he did write the foreword to my first book, Quit Your Money Where Your Heart Is. And the reason for that is that he knew that the system would work and it is time proven in both recessions.com, Great Recession and Pandemic. So this is something that works. And if you haven't learned this system, now's the time to learn it. You don't want to wait until the bottom. A lot of people wait and wait and wait, maybe because they aren't sure we're going to hit a recession or because they're being told to wait. And at the bottom, they're tempted to sell low. I'm encouraging you now. Stocks are down 20%. Some assets are way down. But if you use the pie chart system and you start buying low um, in that layaway plan, and you keep looking forward and you have enough safe. Look, if you are 50 and you have 20% overweighted safe, 30% is at risk. If it loses 20%, you know, that's only about 5% that you have lost, right? It's not, it's 6% that you've lost. It's not your whole thing. So that's important to always remember is that, you know, the system itself protects you. And that's where we want to get to. It is a little bit of um, emphasis on education and learning the system in the beginning, and then it becomes easy because you know it, just like learning a new language or anything, learning how to read. Okay, so diversifying, rebalancing, getting your pie chart set up now. If you would like that free web app, easily uh, email info at nataliepace.com with free web apps in the subject line. We'll send it over to you. The last thing I wanted to talk about is real estate. Now, in our when we're talking about safe income producing hard assets that you purchase for a good price, when we talk about real estate, we're thinking about it in a different way. Now, first of all, last year, we were saying, hey, don't buy real estate because you can't buy it for a good price. And chances are things will change. We have seen that prices are coming down. Okay. And because there's more supply, and there actually are going to be people that are really desperate to sell because of the four D's, death, depression. Um, oh boy, I'm sorry. I just wrote a blog on it and it's out, out listed in my book as well. But there are so many divorce and disaster, death, depression, divorce and disaster. So um, these things can put people in a position where they really have to sell. And if there's no buyers out there, and you are the only buyer out there, they have to lower the price to lure you in, right? So that's kind of gonna be a theme that's starting to happen in 2023. So I am gonna do a real estate masterclass in January. If you're interested, the lowest price is gonna be to register right away. But we also talk about keeping the money in the family, stop making the landlord rich. Um, ways that you can think about real estate, how to shop in the shadow inventory, how you can start looking for those people that have not yet listed their home or, um, or maybe had to pull it off the market because they got no traction but still need to sell. So we're going to talk about all of these things and how you might even think bigger, how you might access capital if you don't want to borrow at almost 6% interest rates. All of these things are going to be covered in the Real Estate Masterclass. If you're interested in that, info at nataliepace.com, uh, Real Estate Masterclass in the subject line. But let's take a look at some of the statistics on real estate. So, you know, it's, again, data-driven crystal ball predictions here, not a guess and not, you know, something. everything we do is data-driven. So existing home sales fell for the 10th consecutive month. This is the most recent uh, released by the National Association of Realtors. 
Now, here's the interesting thing, and this is why it's really important not to just read the Wall Street Journal, listen to CNBC, or even this press release, because you need to be able to put it in context, and that's not always done. Look, if somebody, a young reporter is just reporting off of this press release, they will sell that the they will say median existing home sales price rose to 370,000. That's a very misleading statistic because it's a statistic based on a year ago. In truth, this is down from June. And, you know, as anybody that lives in any, any place and, and is following real estate prices knows. So in our asset bubble chart, we put the high. The high was 416,000 median um, price in June of 2022. That's a pretty severe drop. Um, in just a few months, down to 370,000. So again, what we are seeing is that the price drops are happening fastest in the areas that had gone zinging up the most, as always happens. It happened like that in the Great uh, Recession as well. So remember that real estate must be you know, your home must be your sanctuary. When you're thinking about income producing real estate, you don't just want to think about the yield and the cash flow. Yes, you, that's important. Any business owner knows that's really important. But you also have to realize that you are purchasing an illiquid asset itself and you're on the hook for it if for some reason all of a sudden people don't show up to rent from you. So you need to make sure that you are what we would also call on the right side of the trade. You do not want to buy high, have the value drop, and then nobody's showing up to rent from you, and then you're really in trouble. So we want to get all of these things right. And 2023 is going to be the start of some opportunities for people who are willing to shop in the shadow inventory and perhaps access capital through their family, maybe by thinking in terms of keeping the money in the family, stop making the landlord rich and intergenerational wealth. So um, I wanna go ahead and move into answering a question that was emailed to us. And I wanna remind all of our volunteers, you are welcome to email your questions. I'm happy, you know, at every one of our video conferences, I'm going to answer at least one or two, okay? So please email them. Sometimes we already have the answer and it's in a blog and you'll just get, you know, our team will send you that. But um, here is the question that came in for this month. And this person is wondering about rebalancing because she had a silver fund and it went up. Now, I know that this person has been asking rebalancing questions a lot. And what I want to remind you is this. If you were to boil water and you keep look, lifting the lid, keep lifting the lid, it doesn't boil, right? So the important thing about rebalancing is that you have a date in mind and that you don't just keep on trying to take, take gains, take gains, take gains, right? Or, you know, oh, I lost money. Oh, I made money. Oh, I lost money. That is not what a successful investor does. It would be like a baseball player going up to the plate and they strike out and they go, oh, I struck out. And then the next time they hit a home run, they go, oh, I hit a home You know, they don't do that. The whole goal is to do the best that they can to get the averages up and all of that sort of thing. So we, what we want to do is we want to pull you back from that, did I win, did I lose, emotional uh, thing 
and into a system. So the first thing I'm going to do before I answer, should you be taking your profits yet, um, is this. I would like for you to read this blog, which is um, the 12 step guide to successful investing and then take our rebalancing IQ test. So if you would like to do this yourself, you know, if you, and you're not this person who emailed the question, you can always email Heather and say, hey, I'm interested in the two blogs that Natalie mentioned, the 12 step guide and the rebalancing IQ test. That those two things are going to help you to have a system for rebalancing. Now, with regard to silver, should you take your profits now? Well, silver can go down if stocks go down initially. And there will come a point where it decouples and then it rises up again. So today, we saw that SLV, which is the silver trust uh, from iShares, it did go down a little bit. Now, it didn't go down as much as stocks did, but it did go down a little bit. So if we look at um, the stock market, what you can see here is that it lost about 1%. So if we go ahead and put in silver, what we see there is that silver went down and it went down about, oh, it went down even more, 2.5%. So right now you might be thinking, oh, I wish I had taken my profits yesterday. I would have made 2.5% more. But a better strategy would be when you're going to do your rebalancing to mock up a pie chart of what you have, a pie chart of what you should have. And then if your slice is too small, buy low. If your slice is too big, sell high and trim it back. Should you be rebalancing right now? If you have never rebalanced, then yes, that would be a good idea. If you've already rebalanced at the end of December, then I would wait until the end of April. So if I were rebalancing once a year, I might do it at the end of April, early May. If I were rebalancing three times a year, I would do it um, end of May, end of April, beginning of May, end of September, and then again at the end of December. So you could rebalance now, but I think what the most important thing is to try to make sure that you're getting your pie chart, especially for this person, your slices filled up rather than constantly trying to uh, what I call wrestle the bull. The other thing too, is that when I am rebalancing or when I own something, I would actually set, now you can't do this on everything. Like it doesn't work as well for something that shoots the moon. But you could also set a limit sell order. So right now, let's say we were using SLV as an example. And we know that SLV, the last time it hit its high, it went to $48. You could set a limit sell order for half of it or all of it, whatever it is that you want. And if it hits that before your rebalancing moment, it automatically sells. So what I want to say is that it's not just a matter of always looking at it. Did it, did it go up? Did it go down? Should I buy? Should I sell? It's more a matter of going back to those 12 steps and having a strategy that doesn't require you to look at it every day because that doesn't work. All right. I want to thank you guys for joining me. I'm going to stop it here for just a moment.
All right, so that is it for today's video conference. But in overview, with stocks, make sure you, that you don't have too much, okay? We're overweighting 20% safe in our uh, sample pie charts. So for most of us, you probably have more than that and you need to pull back a little bit. With bonds, you need to take a look at your bonds because if you have anything over two years, then you might be losing value. Now, that doesn't mean that you wanna just sell and get rid of everything. If you have short term or near, near to the end of the term and the credit worthiness is there, you might just go ahead and hold it. Um, so if you need help looking at your bond portfolio, that's through our private coaching. With regard to crypto, the crypto winter could endure in 2023 because as we saw in uh, previous crypto winters, they tend to last a while and the crypto contagion is not over yet. With regard to gold and silver, that could be something that is initially drugged down with stocks, but then decouples and could be a, a bright spot in 2023. Copper, that goes down, can go down initially and then decouple and become a bright spot as well. Countries like Australia, Chile, and Peru that provide a lot of copper, same thing. And even though you're hearing that there's a lot of problems in the developing world, in the uh, statistics that I'm looking at, they are not including Peru and Chile in there. And these are paying a pretty decent yield too, by the way. So let me show you just real quickly. Um, so EWA, if we look at that one, that's the Australia iShares Fund. This one is yielding 6%. If we look at EPU, which is the Peru one, this one is yielding almost 6%. So again, you can get a little, so you could think of these as your values. Maybe Australia might be a large value and um, Peru and or Chile might be your mid cap or small cap value. So um, there are ways to get involved in each of these, but think of them as hot slices, not everything. You want to diversify, rebalance and be properly protected. And then we're going to be looking at real estate, which might start becoming an opportunity in 2023. So again, I'm going to be doing these monthly video conferences. We are doing another um, retreat January 20th. It's online. It's our most affordable. We'd love to have you. Call or email info at nataliepace.com or call us at 310-430-2397 to learn more now. Also, please do follow me on social media. I do uh, pretty much daily money tips and money updates. If you go to nataliepace.com, all of the links are right there. There's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, email, uh, podcast on Spotify, podcast on Apple, and of course, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash nataliepace, where you can watch this conference back and share it with your friends. So thanks for, for joining us and we'll see you again very soon.